Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we're going to have a discussion with a man who's the product of rape, the motivation for murder, and was part of what is the biggest trial to ever hit the small town he came from. He lived through an abusive environment, extreme poverty, only to create a business empire that helped him overcome life obstacles, as well as helped others to do the same. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About the Unlucky Sperm Club. My guest is Nelson Tressler. He's an Air Force veteran, a successful CEO, and author a podcast host, and best of all, a survivor. Welcome to the show, Nelson. Thanks for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. It's really quite a journey that your life has taken from like, from the beginning. Yeah, quite quite the origin story. Uh, definitely uh, pretty unique. Uh, where'd you grow up? I was in uh, Pennsylvania, cent- central Pennsylvania, close to uh, Penn State University. Uh, my family's from Pennsylvania, actually. So I'm somewhat familiar with the area. What was your family like? Yeah, like I said, I've got quite the origin story. Um, you know, my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And while she was pregnant with me, her father, who was the local trash collector in a small town, drove into the town square. There he spotted two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, killing one and uh, critically wounding another. Eventually, he was captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty. And uh, during his trial, my mom got up and testified that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had raped her. And she was now pregnant with his baby, who was me. Yeah, I think um, we're going to delve into your journey from the beginning. Yeah. So your mother was only 15 years old when she was the victim of a a crime, right? Yeah. And what I'll say is in in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, I get into a lot more of the details of my mom's testimony and why she did it. I don't want to give away everything now, but there's a lot of twists and turns in that, a lot of uh, motives. uh, So it's definitely not a cut and dry situation. And as I said here today, uh, I'm still not 100% sure uh, who my father is. She was 15 when she was the victim of that crime, though, correct? Yeah, she was 15 years old. She was 15 when she had me. And you, there is a unique twist, and you kind of mentioned it in the beginning um, a little bit, but there is a unique twist to that story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can you tell me about that? Well, you know, my uh, my grandfather was facing the death penalty at at his trial for what he had done. And uh, my mom's testimony ended up, uh, you know, causing the first trial to end in a hung jury. And uh, the second trial, the uh, state took the death penalty off the table because of my mom's testimony. And then eventually my grandfather was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he ended up spending the rest of his life uh, behind bars more than 40 years. Well, that's kind of why when I let's talk about the unique aspect of of that particular incident was your mother's rapist wasn't just an ordinary individual. It was somebody that that was uh, part of the community, correct? Yeah, it, it was one of the police officers that my grandfather shot is what my mom testified to. So this person obviously was somebody that was known in the community as how long he'd he'd been a police officer in the community. Been, I think, about nine or 10 years. I'm sure you probably say this in the book, but um, kind of what led up to that particular, what led up to that incident? That's a traumatic thing to do, especially for a police officer to do it. Yeah, I do go into I do go into all the details and kind of uh, how this situation evolved uh, in the book. You know, my my grandfather was uh 
kind of the town bully in this town. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of uh, targeting uh, on him and his family. Um, and, you know, I don't know exactly all the details because I wasn't born yet, but I get into a lot of that stuff in my book and why and kind of the the testimony and how the testimony went on for, you know, the, the, my entire life in that small town. My, my grandfather went to, to prison uh, after my mom's testimony for life without the possibility of parole. So they were always trying to get that sentence reduced to where he would have an opportunity to get out of jail. And that never happened. He ended up dying more than 40 years later. Okay, let's go, let's let's back up just a little bit, if you don't mind. So your family grew up in this town. They were well known in this town. Um, a police officer raped your mother. It may that, or may not be your father. Yeah, that that's that's what my mom testified to is that she was raped. So when did you when did your mother know that she was pregnant with you? Was that before she testified? Or was that after or during she, the time she testified? Did she know she was pregnant before or while the trial was going on? Yeah, she was pregnant with me while the trial was going on. Okay. So the police officer that he shot was an alleged the the individual. Um, the other officer that was with him was wounded, I'm assuming. Was he part of this as well? No. You know nothing no. about it? Just happened to be a, a bystander. He lived? He did live, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're in this small town of 6,000 people. And, you know, I mistakenly in the seventh grade ended up kind of dating uh, the granddaughter of the police officer who survived. And then uh, one one day I was there and came home and her dad came home, who was also a police officer. And, uh, you know, she introduced me. And of course, my last name came up and he kind of took her inside the house and could hear them kind of yelling. And she came back out and pretty much said, I'm not allowed to see you anymore. Your grandfather shot my grandfather. And I mean, I didn't I didn't have that any idea that that had happened. So there were always those type of things that were happening in this small town because of who I was and what you know, what my family represented and, and all those circumstances surrounding my birth, you know. Well, let's talk about your birth and your growing up. So your mother decided to keep you. And I know that you um, in, had mentioned that you had grown up with an abusive stepfather. Yeah. So, I mean, after my birth, you know, I'm born to a 15 year old mother, which is, you know, hard enough. And then eventually my mom becomes 21. She meets a man in a bar, uh, who eventually becomes my stepfather, come to find out he's an alcoholic, very physically and emotionally abusive to me and my mom. Eventually, my mom and him have four children in quick succession. And because of the lifestyle that they're living, a lot of the basic needs of my siblings fall upon me, you know, being the oldest. So, you know, bottle feeding, diaper changing. Uh, and this is, you know, and, and the abuse, you know, this is having an adverse effect on my life, of course. My mom would rather me stay home and help her with the kids than go to school. And one, and the last day of fourth grade, I remember going to school. I remember looking down at my report card and seeing that I had straight Fs, that I would uh, be repeating the fourth grade. My, I probably missed 60 days of school uh, that year because my mom would rather me stay home and help her with the kids. Uh I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't spell at this time. The following year, I got placed into special ed to try to get the help that I needed. And then uh, come to find out I have dyslexia. And that's the way my life was going for a while. And then one day, my uh, stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar. There was somebody else who was driving home drunk from that bar. And they ended up hitting and killing him. It's ironic. And uh, as hard as my mom's life has been to this point, and, it, and it's been 
very brutal. Uh, no matter how much she looked at this problem, she could not figure out how she was going to be able to care for all five children on her own. She had dropped out of school in the eighth grade and never worked outside of the home. And uh, it was at this time that she decided she was going to take her own life. And uh, she attempted suicide. And fortunately, she was not successful. But whenever she got out of the hospital from the suicide attempt, that's when my family got split up. And that's when I went to go live with my grandmother, who was the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. Wow. That's, a, that's quite of an integral little twist. Ironic that the, uh, the man walking home was drunk and was killed by a drunk driver. Yeah, from the same bar. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Actually, so what kind of coping mechanisms did you learn um, during that childhood, during that, during that time period? Did it help you to create the person you are today? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, I, I didn't know life was any different. I think that was a blessing is I didn't have really any contrast to show that, hey, this is the way normal families do. Fathers don't come home drunk and beat their, their wives and their children. So I, I just figured that's the way life was. And until later where I had some contrast. So I just went along life and thought this is the way it was supposed to be. And this is what dads and husbands did. And uh, until, you know, I got some contrast and realized that's not the way life should be. But yeah, absolutely. I think I think all these trials that I went through as as a, you know, as a, as a child definitely uh gave me some determination, gave me some grit to get through hard things in life and realize that I can do hard things. I think I come from a, an alcoholic family as well. My Both my parents were alcoholics, actually. My father died when he was 39 years old from uh, sources of the liver and esophageal cancer, which was associated with his drinking as well. So I empathize with you because I've been in the position, I've been in that position, so I understand. And I know that we grew up in that environment. We kind of um, go one of two different ways. We follow the same path or we try to forge a new path. Yeah. So you, you forged a nice new path and you, know, you went to, you graduated high school. Yeah. I bet eventually graduated high school and uh, ended up going to college. It took me, you know, that, that, that was the one thing when I, when I started living with my grandmother, I saw the direction my life was going and I saw that it's not where I wanted to go. And a counselor actually came in from Penn State University to talk about what it was going to take in order to get into college. And that's when the bells and whistles kind of went off in my brain is like, man, if I could get a college degree, my life would be perfect after that point. And that's kind of what I thought. But you know what you happens when you tell yourself you're going to do something that's going to be hard is that voice in the back of your head just starts screaming all the reasons you shouldn't even try it. And I remember thinking to myself, Nelson, you're in special ed. You can't read. You can't write. You can't spell. Of the family that I came from, uh, my mom had 15 brothers and sisters. Only two had ever graduated from high school. None had ever even attended college. Uh, but I, I knew where I was going to end up if I didn't at least try. So at 12 years, four different universities, four years in the United States Air Force, I finally became that first person in my family to graduate from college. That's outstanding. What'd you graduate with? I got a finance degree. Finance degree. That's a long way from where you had come from. What made you, uh, what motivated you to join the military? Money and getting out of that small town. So, uh, I ended up, uh, I, I figured my only way into college was through sports. I was not, you know, the sharpest tool in the shed. And because I was pretty good at uh, sports, I got in uh, 
through football to a small university in, in Pennsylvania. Ended up uh, at the end of the year, I owed $3,500 back to the school that my you know scholarship and financial aid didn't cover. My, I'm living with my grandma at this time. Uh, she makes $4,800 a year on social security. There was no way I was able you know, going to be able to go back to school. One of my buddies joined the Air Force, talked about the GI Bill, getting money for school. And so I'm like, you know what? It checked a lot of boxes. It showed me, one, how I was going to be able to pay to go to school. But two, it got me out of that town where I represented so much and my family represented so much. So I joined the Air Force and it, uh, yeah, don't regret a, a second of it. What did you do in the Air Force? I was on avionics, uh, worked on, uh, it was called the EF-111 uh, flight line, uh, avionics, elect, uh, navigation and radar. That's an interesting MOS. Yeah, it was fun. I was definitely glad I chose the Air Force. It was uh, it was perfect for me uh, and a good fit. So you obviously, you came from poverty. You have brothers and sisters. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with your brothers and sisters? I do. Yeah, I've, I've got a great relationship with my family back in Pennsylvania. My mom is back there. My mom remarried after uh, my stepfather was killed. Uh, she's been married for 35 years to him. He's everything my other stepfather wasn't. She's living a great life. Uh, my siblings are living good lives and every, everything's good. Uh, I get back there. I try to get back there once a year, but, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, it's been a couple of years, but my mom comes out here at least two or three times a year. Where are you based now? Las Vegas. That's a good place to be based. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I get a lot of visitors and and have a lot of uh, a lot of people want to come visit me. Kind of, they also want to visit the Las Vegas Strip. Well, you know, it's the the Strip is the Strip. Right. Exactly. We visited. I did some screenwriting conferences in Las Vegas for a while because it was very lucrative, and I had no problem whatsoever getting speakers to come out to the conference because you they go, well, you know, I get I get invited to a lot of these and I go, it's in Vegas. They go, I'll be there. I have friends. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was it was interesting. Then my daughter actually, one of her first jobs in show business was uh work opened the show um with uh Matt Franco, who was America's Got Talent magician winner a few years ago. They when they first opened his show out there, she was his uh, magician's assistant for about two years. Oh, very cool. Very yeah, it was pretty slick. So we used to visit Vegas all the time. And now now we live in hot, hot. I mean, well, you guys are hot there too, but now we're in the Phoenix area and it's hot, hot as hell. Yeah. So you're the founder and the CEO of I Got Smarter, a program related to created to support and motivate people to achieve their goals. When did you decide to start that company? So after college, I went into commercial real estate, um, did that for 20 years, was very successful, used goals and personal development. That, that was the one thing. When I realized, when I got my college degree, it kind of opened up my eyes that I could do hard things. And, you know, if I could do that by setting a goal, what else could I do with my life? And after graduating college, I pretty much became obsessed with goals and personal development. And I started to use it in every area of my life. I went into commercial real estate. I eventually became the top salesman worldwide for a top five commercial real estate firm. Uh, I started 10 or 12 businesses, uh, including one of the largest privately held pet resorts in the country, a few locations down in the Phoenix area. Um, and, you know, I, I 
been able to use it in my relationships. I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. So I really determined that goals could make a huge difference in your life. And whenever I, I was able to exit these businesses and retire from commercial real estate, I was kind of left with what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I definitely didn't want to sit on the beach and watch waves crash. That would have drove me nuts. I had to be doing something. And then I reflected upon the story, you know, my origin story and why I had lived that life. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I lived that life and maybe I was able to succeed in spite of it so that I can inspire and motivate others. And that's when I started to think about this business and goals and personal development. Because like I said, I've been... I'd been obsessed. I had helped other people achieve goals, my friends to help them. And I saw what a difference it made in their lives. And I'm like, there are so many people out there that are only a few goals away from living a drastically different and better life. And that's what what better to spend the rest of your life doing than helping other people live more fulfilling lives. And that's when I sat down and wrote the program. I got smarter six months to success and developed it into an app so that people could easily use it. And then I wanted to kind of show people that, Hey, this isn't something that I just pulled off of the internet. It's something that I've lived. And that's when I wrote the book, the unlucky sperm club. Well, that, and do you, so you think, obviously you think that the success in the life philosophies that you implement in all this are, are from your unique beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've used them, you know, throughout my life. It's, it's things that I've practiced and, and proved that can make a huge difference in your life. Even coming from where I came from, uh, to where, where I was able to go, uh, just using these strategies and these techniques and the philosophies found in our program, they're laws. I mean, if you do these things, this will happen eventually. And that that's what I want people to realize is uh, success is not left up to happenstance. I think people feel like, ah, if they just kind of plot along, they'll eventually hit success. The chances of that are, are zero. This program gives you that concrete, you know, all the tools, all the knowledge, but especially all the support to achieve your life's biggest goals. Uh, you said you created not only the program, but you created it into an app. Yeah. So is it like a coaching program? It kind of helped me understand. Okay. The so there's two, there's two programs. The first program that I came up with was called Six Months to Success. And that had people meeting in person in groups. And then they had a goal guide over them that helped them and taught them. And then they had success partners within the group that they could communicate through the six month to success app. Then all of a sudden this thing called COVID came and meeting in groups was no longer, uh, you know, practical. So then I developed a standalone program that used it, all the strategies and techniques and philosophies, but you didn't have to meet in a group called I got smarter. And so over the last year, I've been developing that and getting that out to where people can download that app, use the entire program. They can invite a success partner of their choosing that will communicate with them through the app. Because the thing that I realized with goals, we don't have a knowledge problem. We have an execution problem. We just don't do what we know we need to do. And this app, both of these apps uh, help you stay accountable to yourself through this success partner, through the app and, uh, and through the program. So the, I got smarter part, part of it. Um, is that something that we, we as a consumer with regard to that or a participant, it allows us to 
to educate ourselves? Yeah. So it's a full-blown program. You have a self-assessment part of the program that goes through and and just make sure that you're setting the proper goals. It's teaching you all the strategies, the philosophies, the attitude of gratitude, uh, the uh, the advantages of having a success partner who's there to help you. So it goes through all of that. And then the app actually helps you stick to the program and your partner. So when you're able to invite a partner through the app, now that partner sees whether or not you, you've done your morning and your evening rituals, you know, planning out your day and then reflecting upon your day. They see when you've checked off your goal to do task that is automatically populated through the app. So you have all this and, but, you know, let's say you and I are partners and I see, oh crap, you just accomplish your morning ritual, but I haven't yet. Now that kind of alerts me. I can say, Hey, great job. Now I'm going to go online and and get mine done. So you kind of have that support system to help you stay focused. And this, what, what demographic, what is this for? Who, what kind of people? You know, I, I know it's kind of cliche, but it's, it's, it's for everybody. It's for anybody who wants to achieve things. And it's not just financial goals. It's not just business goals. I mean, a goal is in every area of our life. It might be your health. Uh, it might be your lifestyle. It might be your relationships. It might be spirituality, you know, financial, business. So any goal that's there, we don't tell you what your goal should be. All we do is give you the program. We give you the tools. We give you the knowledge and the support to achieve whatever goals you set down. And and we teach you how to break big goals down into small four-week sprints. We teach you how to work on a, you know th- three goals or less so that you're focused on those goals. So there's a lot of strategies and, and pitfalls that I had to go through that I learned from that are built into this program that pretty much guarantee you that you're going to achieve your goals as long as you don't quit. How long did it take you to develop all that? About four years. So did you become a coach first or is it? I've never coached. I mean, I've had coaches that I've used and I see the value of a coach, but the one thing with a coach was it took a lot of time. So therefore it was very expensive. And I think there were a lot of people out there that didn't have the money uh, to be able to do a program like this. So that's why I designed the app and I designed the, uh, the ability to, to do the group setting to where it could be less expensive and, and that money was not going to be an issue. I've been there where money meant everything. And I didn't want that to be the problem for people to actually, you know, take control of their lives and start living better lives. So I tried to design it to where we could keep it as inexpensive as possible. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm from an individual that struggled in the past and grew up in a similar environment to yours. I appreciate that because it helps people, you know, when most people sometimes don't even know where to start and not even know where to, not even knowing where to start, um, becomes the foundation for failure, you, you know, so you give them an opportunity when they at least can move forward in a very positive way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think getting started is the hardest thing, you know, for a lot of people. Um, 
And that's what this program will do. It kind of that self-assessment really, all you have to do is follow the app. The app walks you through every single step of it. And then after you know where you're going to start, after you know what you're, you want your goals to be, then it helps you to continue on. And I think those are the two hardest things. Either you don't get start, started or you don't finish. And that's what this app does is it's designed to help you get started and kind of walk you through those steps to get your goals done and write a proper goal and break that goal down into bite-sized pieces. And then it gives you all that support uh, and through the app to continue on that process until you achieve your goals. It's a far cry from where you had come from when you grew up and how your unique beginning started. So let's talk about your book. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's called The Unlucky Sperm Club. You're not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. And it's a memoir slash self-help. So I took a lot of stories from my youth. I also took some stories from my adult life where I was running businesses and had struggles. And I really pulled open the curtain to all of the mistakes that I had made in life from my marriage. You know, I was a few arguments away from probably getting divorced. I was uh, a few decisions away or a month away from all of my businesses failing and me going bankrupt. I, I really pulled the curtain back because I think a lot of people feel like they see somebody who was successful and they either think it happened overnight or that it was easy or that they were born that way. And I wanted people to realize like, that's not the way it is for most people that everybody has struggles. And the key is, is to continue to go because if, if you continue, if you have enough time, enough focus and enough, um, you know, energy, you can accomplish any goal you put your, your heart and mind to. And that's what this book is, is out there to do. It's, it's a, it's very entertaining. It's a, it's a page turner. I've, I've gotten so many comments back to where I started reading it at seven at night and I finished it at uh, six o'clock the next morning. I couldn't put it down. So I'm very happy with it, but it's, it's a, it's an entertaining book that will teach you a lot. And, uh, I've, I've read and listened to a lot of books and, and love them, but I always like to be entertained. I love great stories, but I also like to walk away with some good knowledge and good actionable items that I can put in place in my own life. And that's what this book does. You know, I think it's interesting that you came from an environment of dyslexia and uh, you're now a published author. Yeah, uh, it was not easy. Uh, I definitely had help with the book. I I hired uh, an uh, an editor and somebody that kind of helped me make sure that this thing made sense. Uh, I still struggle with dyslexia today. Uh, I definitely am a lot better than I was as a as a child. But uh, yeah, it's a struggle for me, and and that's one of the things in this book is uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, your circumstances. You can't be a victim to that. I mean, people can throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't write a book because I have dyslexia. I'm not a good speller. Or There's a way. Where, where there's a will, there's a way. And that's what I wanted people to take away from this book. Do you have plans to write any more books? I'd like to write another book uh, to kind of get into the nitty gritty more of the more of the process of how to do things and, and with goals and personal development and becoming a better version of ourselves. So yeah, eventually, but I think for right now, I, I really want to, 
you know, I, I, I'm using the book to open people's eyes to the program because I think the program is what's going to change people's lives. So uh, that's my focus right now is to get as many people to start using this program and seeing the benefits of it and really living better, more fulfilling lives. That's my end game is to change the world one person and one inspiring goal at a time. So if, uh, you know, if I get to the point where um, I have that in auto drive and people are signing up and it's working, maybe I write another book that gets into the more of the nitty gritty of how to do things. But for right now, yeah, I'm focused on the six month to success in the I Got Smarter programs and trying to use that to help people live the lives of, of their dreams, essentially. You also have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast. It's called The Unlucky Sperm Club. And I like to, to get into people who have stories that are, you know, they were, they were in some rough circumstances and they didn't fall victim to those circumstances. They started making the choices and turned their lives around. And those are the types of uh, guests I like to have on there. And just inspiration and motivation uh, and a lot of... Uh, a lot of instances where people were in some really rough circumstances, but because they didn't quit, they were willing to turn it around and live fantastic lives. That's what I want other people to realize who are in tough circumstances is, you know what? It's possible. If you want it, it's possible. Other people have done it. And if one of us can do it, all of us can do it. Absolutely. Uh, the question I'd like to um, kind of touch back upon speaking of that when you were growing up. So, when, before your mother met your stepfather, growing up with the, and this might be the wrong terminology, but the stigma of, of how you became you uh, in the beginning when you were born, did your mother hold any animosity against you? How was that environment? No, uh, my mom's my biggest fan. Uh, and people ask me the exact op opposite question. Do I have any animosity towards my mom? Do I blame her for the, the rough situation. And I, I absolutely don't. I mean, I think my mom lived a tougher life than I lived and uh, she was able to overcome that. And she did the best with what she had. And she's not the same person today that she was 40 or 50 years ago. So I, and I think that's the case for all of us as, as we can grow, but my mom is a fantastic mom. She'd do anything for me. She's a terrific grandma. My kids love her. And, uh, it's a totally different uh, environment and, and situation than it was 45 years, you know, 50 years ago. And that's, that's positive. That's a very positive oh, thing considering. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're each other's biggest fans. So we have a great relationship. That's a very positive thing, actually. Did you ever get to meet your grandfather before? He passed? Yeah. Yeah. I went to visit my grandfather a lot. His uh, he served in prison about, uh, 40 miles from where we lived. My grandmother uh, was a saint. She stayed married to him for the f entire time he was in prison, never remarried. And uh, she pretty much visited him every single month. And she had a large family. So there were always a carload of people who went. And, and I absolutely went uh, my, my share of the time as well. 
That's great, actually. That's a positive thing. Sometimes in those circumstances, you know, it can always turn out something different. And hate evolves, it grows and hate evolves. And that's not a positive, that's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can either do things that are going to strengthen you and, and further you towards your purpose in life, uh, or you're going to do things you know, hold grudges and have hate and do all of that. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is don't let your past poison your potential. And I think a lot of people allow that to happen as they dwell on those things that have happened in the past, either at their doing, uh, or somebody else's. And all of a sudden now they've poisoned their potential and, and, they're, they're living in the past. And, I, and I've tried never to do that in my life. I definitely, as a child, went through some tough times with this whole situation. And I talk about that in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. But once I realized it wasn't furthering me, it wasn't helping me, that's when I tried to give it a different meaning. And I think we get to assign meaning to everything that happens to us in our lives. And if we get to assign meaning, why on earth would we assign a negative meaning to anything? I think if you dig deep enough and look at it from enough angles, you're going to find some sort of positive in every single situation that happens to you. I agree with that. How can somebody get in touch with you if they're looking for help? Yeah, they can go to nelsontressler.com. That's uh, my website. Everything is available there. The book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, You're Not a Victim of Your Circumstances, But a Product of Your Choices. You can get that there. It's also available everywhere books are sold, including Amazon. And if you like listening to your books, it's available on Audible. So you can go there. And then if you're interested in the program, I Got Smarter or Six Months to Success, you can find both of those at my website, nelsontressler.com. They both are available on the apps. App Store, both Apple and Android, so you can go there as well. Or you can go to six months to success.com, the number six, the number two, or I got smarter, all one word, uh, dot com. And how can somebody find your podcast? The podcast is called the Unlucky Sperm Club uh, Podcast, and that is available everywhere, uh, everywhere podcasts can be listened to almost. Now, how'd you come up with that name? You heard my origin story, right? So uh, I, I probably should have put the on in uh, parentheses because I really feel like at the end of the day, I was lucky to be born in those circumstances and uh, really come come to become the person that I became. And uh, I wouldn't trade it. Uh, I, I think it made me the person that I am and it gave me the outlooks that I am. And so uh, it, it's definitely helped me. So uh I think a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, people who are born into privilege have all these advantages, the lucky sperm club, as some people call it. And I just wanted to kind of differentiate mine from that. That's well done. This is one more thing before you go. So before we leave, do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share with somebody that has been or is going through what you went through? Yeah. I mean, hopefully you've been inspired and motivated after listening to this podcast, you know where you want to go. What I would say is start now and start where you're at. So many people want the, all the traffic lights to be green before they go anywhere or start. And that never happens. And they want, you know, they want to wait for whatever. But the only place we can ever start is where we're at. And the best time to start is right now. Outstanding words of wisdom. Nelson, thank you very much. I really appreciate you sharing uh, your journey with us. It's a very unique journey with an outstanding ending. 
Yeah. No, and yeah, I appreciate it. It's not over yet. Yeah, it's not over. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out there trying to make difference in other people's lives. And I appreciate you letting me share your story on your podcast and uh, had a great conversation. I'm all fired up now and, and inspired. So thank you. I'm inspired as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.